Greetings, everyone. I'm excited to welcome Ben Williams, CEO and co-founder at Lupin to the show today. Ben, welcome. Thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, great to have another Ben on the show today. So let's dive in. Tell us a little bit about your background. Didn't actually start in tech. I think for quite a lot of people now these days, I am um, my original backgrounds from the military. So I spent a decade in the British Royal Marines Commandos, which is sort of elite amphibious troops of the UK. And yeah, spent 10 years there, sort of between 2008 and sort of late 17, early 2018. I was medically discharged because of my hearing, because it's quite a loud job. And then I kind of had this epiphany where I could possibly use some of my knowledge and, and skills that I'd acquired from the military and apply it to civilian world. And I left with the sort of wind in my sails, not feeling down and out about medical discharge, but looking at how I could you know use my abilities to help transform teams and, and help create high performing teams within organizations and that led me to working with our national football team so I worked with England quite closely in the run-up to the Russian World Cup in 2008 18 that sent me off into the sort of football or soccer as many would want to hear I suppose from your side into working with some really high profile clubs in developing sort of leadership skill set and the values-based sort of cohesion part of a club the culture lots of press and I had a great few years doing that and then started to sort of migrate into the business world where I could see some of what we were coaching at the time was applicable there as well and that's where ultimately my co-founder, Tomo or Anthony, and I sort of discovered this problem around the disconnect between the managers and employees and how pivotal a manager is to the organization, both good and bad, what the positives, what the negatives. And, you know, we talk about all these metrics around engagement, morale, positivity. How does the org feel? But we still have to be productive. What does our retention look like? And we, over our sort of coaching and consulting background, began to see that th this area needed looking at. And when COVID struck, obviously that took away quite a lot of holistic workshop coaching and, and, and physical coaching, which we were doing at the time. We thought, well, we've got a bit of spare capital in the bank. Sort of midway through the first year of COVID, we decided to go into SaaS technology to, to see how we could try and fix the problem. Yeah, really interesting background with the military experience and then leveraging that experience. And yeah, you see that a lot where then you get into coaching, consulting, and then try to, I guess, productize all that knowledge. Mm. And did the did the pandemic then accelerate that process where, all right, we can't do group coaching, do all these meetings in person? In, in person? That, was that kind of that pivot point then to create the technology around it or was it already starting? It. it Yes and no is really the answer mm. to that. We, we kind of had the ball rolling into an idea, but our, our sort of life started as, well, we pivot, but we're going to pivot heavily here. And it was a long sort of first six to nine months in over in the UK where the pandemic, like it affected many, many countries, it shut so much down and people were really trying to get used to how to communicate online and I think one of the hardest things to do is actually being able to sell virtually. That was, I think for a lot of us, that was a very unique skill we all had to very quickly work on was, okay, we've, we've rammed into this virtual world. We have no idea when it's going to end. How the hell do you continue a business moving in the right direction and selling? And so we began to pick up that there was a well-being problem. Employees needed to be checked on more often by their managers to see how they were. And 
And to be honest, we went through the pandemic with, if I'm truly honest, with no real sense of idea what we were doing. I think that's how most SaaS companies are founded, uh, for maybe the first time founders. We knew the problem. The problem was that helping companies scale or, or upskill people at scale was difficult and especially during the pandemic at the same time they're still trying to measure how people feel how engaged they are all these it's very multifaceted so we kind of broke that down and as we sort of progressed through the first year of the pandemic we started to see our very early traction which we kind of call our alpha phase where we were just pushing our mvp out to see what happened and you know one person downloaded it and we got another company on and we, we were giving it away for free for a while before we, we finally turned on billing and then saw the sort of catalyst of that then so it's been quite interesting I, i'm always very open and honest with people and say kind of for a while didn't really know where we were going we just knew we were trying to do something and where we where we arrived to today is we've actually essentially turned ourselves which was coaches and consultants back in those early days into digitalized products where you can actually download a Ben Williams bot and you can chat to them and it's all fed my information. So the books I've read, written, the podcasts I've been on, any any content I filled it with, it's something you can interact with me. And so I can deliver training and now I can then sort of also deliver in my help bot, as we kind of call them, that you'd be able to interact with that when I'm not there and it'll give you the material unique to yourself and you can ask it questions and then we've leveraged that technology into you know how does a company feel how how do the team how are the team at the moment what does a manager do about that and ultimately trying to take a bit of engagement the morale sentiment of an organization and applying that data to learning and and kind of for once merging those two worlds that in organizations are treated quite separately is like how engaged are they and are we still have lnd over here and leadership development well let's start to put it in the middle a little bit and use data to inform it and upskill people through technology and that's kind of yeah the fast forward motion of where we've arrived to yeah let's talk about Lupin and the products and services which you're touching upon there but yeah how would you summarize that you know if, if I was in a company and looking at this product because I heard about you know employee engagement morale retention upskilling uh, so what at a high level what does the product offer so we take employee sentiment, morale, engagement data, a wider range of that, but encapsulated within that bubble. And we apply it to generative AI and we use LLMs to turn that data into actionable daily resources that someone can use and done in a way that's personalized to the individual user. So maybe an employee within their loop in um, experience is feeling a bit low, a bit stressed at the moment. We can pick up on that through the data and through using generative AI, we can then feed information back to that employee in bite-sized nuggets, you know, maybe in a little bit of an action list or some thoughts to think about, we can summarize how they are in a blurb and all around, hey, you've been like X, Y, and Z, why not over the next couple of days do A, B, and C? And so we're trying to educate them on, on, on their well-being, but also giving them something to do around it. But again, not more importantly, but where a lot of our focus is, is how do you create that experience for the manager? So your team's burning out or at risk of burnout. It's highly stressed at the moment. We know that's going to have an effect on absenteeism. It's going to have a knock-on effect on probably retention and, and certainly engagement and productivity. 
And for managers, they can be quite overwhelmed in, in an experience that they're probably quite undertrained for. So then we use exactly how we would use it for an employee, but at a manager level. So your team are like this at the moment. Why not try and apply these methods this week or over the next week? Have a conversation with this person about how they are. And, and this is how to have that conversation. And really try to make that experience of being a great manager, a great leader, condensed into some actionable insights that's completely related to their team. And ultimately, what we're trying to do is engagement surveys and all these different things. What a company wants to do is understand how their company is and where it's heading. What we're doing is making that in real time and then using that data to actually create personalized curated content for each individual, which they can action uh, and be effective with. Yeah, really interesting. So say as a CFO, if I wanted my finance, I signed up my finance and accounting team onto Lupin, is there some pre-learning that it has to do to understand the roles, the people? And then is it is it that daily interaction with the application where say a financial asset, like, gosh, I'm, it's budget season, I'm feeling really stressed, that it then can provide that help? Yeah, it's exactly that. So as, as our product's growing, we're using every sort of part of the product to capture something so we can understand that person. So from your profile to your job role, to the projects that you're working on, to, to literally that, the, the quarterly, the seasonal, the H1 to H2, everything that you experience in the workplace and, and really starting to guide it to making it r- relatable to you. So this is my finance team and at this part of the year, we struggle with this or we experience this. All of this is beginning to be encapsulated into what we do. And the product learns around you very quickly. It learns how private you are or how open you are. It begins to understand how you interact with other people within your team, those stress points of the team. And ultimately, how your team is at a time of pressure and, and challenge is the time that we need to give you some nudges to do the right thing to ensure that you can be effective. Because like yourself it's very easy when you're leading a high performing team to actually go blinkers on forget they're there and, and just you know gun ho forward and we we have to sometimes step to the left and right and just realize that we're leading people forward and and it's not always easy to do it can get quite noisy and that's what looping does it it kind of condenses that noise makes it clearer and allows you to just have those little pockets of knowledge that makes you effective in your role. And and that, to be honest, tracing back many years comes from the military. We were both very good managers and very good leaders and there's holes in the net, not everyone's perfect. But ultimately we were good at managing people, but we're also good at leading. I think the way the business world is, it's very stigmatized towards you're either a leader or you're either a manager, but that role is very blurred now because of the way we work and how we work. And so it's all about trying to encompass it together, use data, to inform those action tips, those learn learning resources, all learned along the way. And the more you use the products, the more it understands you or the team that it's working with. And that's kind of how we sit and, and how our software works. Yeah, interesting. And when you sign up companies, and I guess it depends on the employee size, but are you recommending that every employee in the company signs up or is it just teams? Is it specific departments? How do you yeah. see that, that progression through the company? It's, it's a big challenge. It's, it's something that we're still sort of working out as we go along. We're really starting to see more markets for us. Like it's very, a tool like ours, how do your employees feel and can we help you do something about it? Could be very broad and it, and it probably is very broad. There's multiple markets that need that support, especially around something that we focus on at the moment around burnout. How stresses your team? 
what's the risk of that stress and then how likely the team or the individuals likely are at risk of burnout and because burnout leads to absenteeism long-term sick attrition issues you know there's so much paved in there along the way when when that starts to happen so we focus quite heavily on that so that's very industry-wide uh, very market-wide what we're beginning to see though is quite a lot of our data points towards companies between sort of 25 to 200 people and with and then even that's quite broad but it's it's a condensed mm-hmm. group when you then look at what those markets are and we start to see quite a lot of activity in in agency-based workers so marketing and recruitment creative industries um we believe as we're going along that's because a lot of those companies are very project to project and and less quarter to quarter and more like project to project is always on so they're not getting too much downtime and there's high turnover in those companies and then we're also looking at sort of fast growth you know tech startups that have gone from that series a moving into B and C where they're going through that scale up phase, they're hiring at uh, quite a rapid rate, which is a a bit different at the moment, we know, but it will return to some degree. And so there's that pace of upskilling people and how those companies haven't yet probably got a grip of their L&D and their engagement and the wellbeing. And so we're sort of really finding, we're, we're finding our feet with those types of companies. And then lastly, interestingly around the legal sector and how burnt out the legal sector is at the moment with so much activity and there's a big cry uh, for products like us to go and you know facilitate some of the problems or solution for some of the problems they face so it's, it's really interesting how it's beginning to broaden um, most of our activity we see within these companies within sort of the marketing and sales teams and then also the engineering teams which kind of fascinated by it to be honest mm-hmm. yeah it seems like a lot of applications a lot of use cases here so what year did you found lupin end of 2021 i oh, sorry okay. beginning of 2021 God, okay was, yeah going back in time. <laughs> beginning of Some 2021 group. and where yeah. are you look where are you located do you have a headquarters yeah we're based in bristol in the uk okay yeah all righty and what's your current team size so we're at six at the moment we've done a bit of sort of we're big we're too small we're big too small interestingly around your questions that i was looking through around funding i think uh, we've learned some hard lessons around too much funding too soon can um, definitely cause problems earlier on than you need and you hire too fast so we're, we're at six we've got a great team pretty much product focused and then we have some sales uh, and that's where we're finding our traction at the moment as we'll start to grow as we go through the year with the funding that we've had. Okay. And anything you want to share around your revenue size, ARR range? Yeah, sure. We'll, we're, we're sort of definitely pre, pre-profit, but we're post-revenue. We'll, we'll end the year on sort of very early hundreds, sort of early 100Ks. We're starting to see that our subscription model is is a lot more deployable and is faster growing than our sort of sales cycle which which we originally intended for enterprise so looking at those ARI, ARR multiples and we're starting to see a sort of minimum 20% month on month growth at the moment with our online subscriptions okay great so about 100 maybe 100k ARR by the end of the year yeah and- I'd be- Push into 200. 200. Okay. All right. Perfect. Yeah. Let's go. And tell us a little bit about your go-to-market motion. So who are you targeting? If you're right now looking at 25 to 200 employee firms, are you mm. hitting up the, the the people, human resources director, the CEO? Who are you reaching out to to find these? 
Yeah, that, that, that again, as you can imagine, within your role and your experience, that, that's been quite an interesting sort of place to live in the tech world at the moment is where's the budget? What's getting a big red line drawn through it and how do you sort of brace? Which, you know, one of your questions is around what triggers a fundraise. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can come back to that. But yeah, H- HR directors is, is very much the buyer. They're the ones who also want to know and want to help. Interestingly, there's sort of the, the kind of ops part of the business begins to pop up quite a bit for us now. We, we very much dedicate ourselves to going after towards HR and people teams, but we do have that sort of operational interest. And, and one, of the, one of the biggest surprises I think we found along our journey in, in, the, in the more recent six months during, during our go-to-market phase is actually the CTOs. I think CTOs have become way more aware of the importance of looking after their teams and how to look after them and using technology to do that and also the extremely high turnover of of engineering personnel in the last year or two and obviously the lucrative sort of attractive salaries that they can get from going to work at one tech startup to the next or one big tech company to the next and so we see quite a lot of activity there we aim for the hr but we're starting to find Mm -hmm. ourselves getting slightly distracted by good things, which is the CTO starting to call for us now uh, and and some ops roles as well. So it's very yeah. diverse still. Yeah, definitely. And that's talking to founders, targeting that range, right? Mm. Varying levels of C titles, VPs, you know, if you're talking 25 employees or 200 employees, you know, that you have to, you know, maybe target different personas based on the company size. So yeah, definitely a challenge there. So how much capital have you raised to date now? Just in the final stages of bringing a further 800 in from our 1.6 raise. So to date, we on ceiling that will be a yeah 2.4 million UK GBD. Okay, 2.4 million pounds mm. raised to date, and I think recently you just announced what it was 1.6 million seed round. So adding on to that, and then yeah, that next question: What triggers or milestones led you to the the seed round raise? Yeah, the, the funding journey for us has been quite interesting. We've, we've never done institutional, although we've classed it seed. It's very much around high net worth individuals. And we've, we're fortunate from our backgrounds, you know, veterans. We, we know some high net worth veterans who just want to see vets do well, which is great that those types of people out there. Um, and we took quite a lot of early funding from some particular angels which was too much when we look back it was too much money that kind of inflated what we could do what was happening as well in the world was covid was on but the venture markets the tech world was booming there was lots of activity happening and you can quite easily get caught up on that and we spent too quickly we hired too fast and then as we sort of went through the next 18 months of that realized how our spending had to be and we got ourselves right into the great point where we're like, okay, we're starting to make revenue that's beginning to just slightly extend our runway. We, we know our go-to-market. We're starting to see who we're going after, where our buyers are, what the activity is. And then, as we all knew it was coming, the, the recession started to kick in. And buying changed very quickly towards the end of, well, in Q4 last year, and it's been quite painful within Q1. And so one of the triggers for fundraising was, we have a great opportunity, we have a great product, but we need to get through what is a very dark time in coming. So we decided to go out for a raise to be able to extend our runway through the problematic 
year or two that we face as a as as a nation and and economically around the globe and how we sort of navigate that path while still picking up business through it and we were also pretty certain as bad as it sounds that some of our competitors weren't going to survive through this sort of phase what we're what we're all in now especially within the UK the recession um what opportunities could be opened up so the main trigger was to extend the runway through the very windy time that we're about to experience while still driving sales into the business so it was, it was to give us an opportunity um I wouldn't say it was there to dramatically grow the business and mm-hmm. and and go on a, a, an aggressive unicorn play is to as military guys would say it's to survive the contact and and that's why we did it yeah it makes sense yeah to, to reinforce that sustainability so you can last through these uncertain times yeah. and any lessons you'd like to share in that fundraising process because it sounds like you had a mix like maybe high net worth individuals plus angels and maybe not traditional vc so any lessons that you'd like to pass on there yeah, I, th- I think any founder probably say it on their next turn of the wheel that is, is don't take on more than you don't need. Not at the moment. I think those good times, they call them, don't they, have sort of passed for quite a long time as the venture markets sort of reset themselves and funding becomes a bit more realistic against your revenue and those valuations dip. And I think if I was to do this, which I would, I'd do this journey all again if it fell off a cliff tomorrow is I would take exactly what I need and I would deploy that capital knowing exactly what I want and learn, test and move forward as quick as I can. I think too much capital too early, which what we experienced was, you know, it seems easy to go off and do all the ideas. You can build all the features that you want. You can hire who you think you need, but if you've not got your go-to-market in place and people don't like your MVP, you're very much staring at a brick wall until you can work out how to get over it, under or around it. And that's not always capital that gets you through those issues. It can extend your runway, but it doesn't get you through it. It's about understanding what the customer really wants and how you listen to them and iterate quickly. And, and you don't always need a, a huge amount of capital to do that. You need 10 to maybe a 50 to 100 max good customers who want to pay for your product. And then you know where you can deploy your capital and go after more money. And, and that's for me, the early days is about probably bootstrapping more, digging in, how much more can we do ourselves and then go out for that bigger raise when things are looking better. Okay. Yeah. makes a lot of sense. Great insight there. Thanks for sharing that. So right now, what favorite number metric are you focused on to help guide your business? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I, didn't see, I didn't see that in the question. That's a new, that's a new question, but yeah, what, yeah, just top of mind, like what, what, you know, if you're looking at numbers to, to help guide your business, is there one that just stands out as like one of those North stars? Yeah. So I, I for us, it comes down to, you know, we, we're really looking at our weekly active users. We've got a daily mm-hmm. check in there, but you can, you can turn that on and off. So it's weekly and, we're really looking at that weekly active use and if we can continue to see it growing uh whether that's a couple of percent per week or it's starting to look at that sort of 20 percent 30 percent each month then we're happy and that's where we sort of really sit there's some things within our product that we we shouldn't be measuring and there's some things that we should be measuring that we we aren't just yet but how many people are coming back at least once a week to share how they are because that's all they need or all we need to begin to really build up a good picture around that individual, around that team, so we can begin to deploy in really useful information, learning information back to the manager and the employees within that team. 
so that's where we're sort of our key focus is but you know that 20 percent month on month revenue increase mm -hmm. as well is very much where our eyes are at yeah it makes a lot of sense with those active users and mm. you know as we wrap up here what's next for loop and what's coming up that's new and exciting so well a nice little win recently is we've oxford university you know this is the joy of SaaS. sometimes people discover your product use your product you know no idea who they are until they suddenly pop up on the radar and turns out some parts of within Oxford University have been using it and now have some great case studies out the back of it supporting some of their team members and people within a part of the organization and and for us that's a real sort of glowing light stick in the dark which I think a lot of startups face in the early days of we're really onto something we know we're onto something great we've hit the GPT wave the open AI wave it's a new internet it's a whole new revolution in how we're using technology and i've got an incredibly impressive and talented team that have worked out how to do things with that technology within weeks and the door is open for anyone with an idea to revolutionize markets by using ai and the new form of technology and that's what we're doing the exciting things are how do you turn um these coaching bots, these these ways of interacting with something more digital into something useful for an actual coach, which they can take to their customers themselves and deploy it in. And then they have a resource, additional resource that maybe their competitors don't have. How do you turn learning resources online on into more usable content? How do you take podcasts and turn them into chatbots? How do you completely personalize and revolutionize experiences that have just never been done before? And, We've come across the right time. We have the correct technology within our tech stack right now to do exactly that. And I think we're um, we're looking quite brightly towards our own future at the moment. Yeah, definitely some exciting stuff coming up. So Ben, really appreciate your time and sharing your background, your lessons learned, your experience. So if listeners would like to learn more about Lupin, where should we send them online? Oh, you can go to letslupin.com um, or you can go to uh, an additional page, which is coaching.letslupin.com. Uh, you can follow me on LinkedIn, Ben Williams, um, should find the bald bloke with the beard with a loop and sign behind him. And so, yeah, that's where we hang out. And I'm really open if anyone wants to understand more about what we do, or wants to connect. It's Ben at letsloopin.com and I'd love to chat with your listeners and, and see who's interested in looping and what they're doing as well. Sounds great. Well, if you'd like to learn more about Ben and Lupin, check out Let's Loop in.com or email ben at ben at let's loop in.com so ben really appreciate your time today you're more than welcome thanks for having me on